Welcome to The Dialogue Sessions, a podcast of A Living Letter Ministries. I'm Drew Barriessa. And I'm Cynthia Beaudry. Today we will be discussing the ministry and mission of A Living Letter. So grab your coffee and settle in, because today we're going to talk about the ministry that we have given our lives to. Drew, why is it important for people to know our mission? Well, I'm glad you asked, Cynthia. (laughs) Uh, It's important for people to understand the mission and ministry of a living letter, first and foremost, because the issue or the rather the experience of sexual brokenness is a really big deal, Uh, not only in our culture, but the church body of Christ is facing just really an unprecedented um, reality of sexual brokenness, sexual confusion, and really badly informed theology on this topic uh, is has infiltrated its way into the body of Christ. And so knowing what ministries like A Living Letter stand for and what we teach are important because we're a resource to the local church and to the body of Christ at large to help address these issues and understand them so that we can respond redemptively. Sure. We, what I think I hear you also saying is that we want to prove ourselves trustworthy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the, I mean, I know that every time I go and I speak, one of the ways that I start my conversation is, is acknowledging the fact that sexuality is a very complex and a very uh, complicated and emotionally weighty topic. And so when you have someone who's going to speak to you and try to in- instruct you on this topic, you want to know why that person is qualified. And, you know, the, the term qualified can really, it can take on a whole lot of different meanings and different applications. Um, you know, being qualified to address sexual brokenness and sexual redemption is in one part about knowing, obviously knowing what the scripture says and knowing your theology. That's that's super important. And honestly, a lot of people, even in our field of ministry, I can remember years back, uh, a leader in our, our field who was kind of going sideways on his theology and someone challenged him on it. And he's like, well, I'm not a theologian. So, you know, trying to give him an out to not have his biblical knowledge sure. and, and context and all this settled. But the truth is everybody's a theologian. We all have a personal theology that we work off of. Um, and all that is, is just our own study of who God is and, mm-hmm. and his nature and how he interacts with us. And so um, in one respect, like really knowing your theology on this is really important, clearly, because it's going to inform how you approach ministry. But just because you're educated doesn't mean that you know or that you have... That you're authoritative. That you're authoritative in this. Yeah. And and I'll even be more clear and more... Um, nuanced about it because you can theologically know what the scripture says what the application is but even then still not pastorally be very good at giving Mm. advice because i mean there's a difference between like knowing your theology and then knowing how it applies pastorally or personally to real live people Mm. um my grandpa before he passed he used he had this statement he would say it's like it's easy to be a holy man on a hilltop meaning Mm. like when you're separated from it all and Mm -hmm. you're just up they're observing down and giving your wisdom from on high. It's it's really easy to spout sure. platitudes or idealism, but there's something different that comes when you have walked in this, when you have fought for your own sexual redemption and health, when you have walked other people through it and been through the nitty gritty, the, that, that training that comes from experience and 
um, you know, relevant personal experience, but also walking others through this really is a qualifier. So when I go and I share, one of the things that I say is that, you know, what, what uniquely qualifies me to share my message? And, you know, likewise, what would uniquely qualify you, Cynthia, to share on this topic yeah. as well? And part of it is, you know, our own personal experiences of redemption through our own sexual brokenness, which, of course, informs how we know God in this and how we know how God works in this. A second, you know, qualification is our ministry experience that we have dedicated time and effort and energy and our lives to this ministry. And so mm -hmm. we have a lot of personal experience where we've interacted with a lot of stories, you and I. Yeah, like, the pastoral and the relational part. I mean, we spent years cultivating that with people and coming yeah. alongside them in this right, very right. relational and, struggle. And understanding the nuances and the individualism of this, that there is no one plus one equals, you know, LGBTQ struggler. You know, it's it really is very unique and very individualized for each person of why do they struggle? What is what is the the DNA of their struggle? And knowing a lot of those stories helps, I think, us to discern how to offer ministry to people without like slipping into platitudes because we have a rounded experience in this. And I think the third one, third qualifier for me is that um, I'm a person who no matter what I teach on this topic, I have to practice what I preach in relationship with people that I love who are in the LGBTQ community. And I know you you experience mm -hmm. that too, where we have loved ones, family members, uh, friends and friendships with people that are very different in their belief systems and in their life than, than what we represent. And everything that we teach here, everything that we talk about here, we've had to live out in real life in the lab of our own lives and our own relationships. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, that informs how we do ministry here. So yeah, it's important to know um, why the person who's trying to inform you and tell you all about this topic, why they have any authority at all to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to be able to sum up the theology of what our mission statement is because we uh, we're very relational and pastoral and and I can we can dive deeper into what that looks like too but as far as the theology aspect what would you say our mission is our mission essentially we are an equipping ministry and this informs kind of like what we offer and why we do what we do so like the main ministry of a living letter is public presentation teaching and equipping the church and that looks like either Sunday morning services or like youth group meetings, or, you know, I speak at colleges, I speak at camps, I speak at seminars, uh, what, wherever anyone wants to learn and is part of the body of Christ and they want to learn how to address this topic, um, that's who we speak to. And our, our mission, you know, primarily is to build up the church to understand and respond to the issues surrounding sexual brokenness from a fully biblical foundation rooted in truth and love. And that's, you know, in, in a nutshell, that's, that's what we do. Um, obviously we understand that, that sexuality, sexual brokenness, it, it's one of the biggest issues facing the church and it's fracturing the church profoundly, um, just in denominations, watching churches split from denominations, new denominations forming, uh, families within the church that are, that are, uh, broken and, and disenfranchised and, um, you know, estranged from one another family members estranged because of differences in belief in this and you know there's not a lot of voices that bring equal parts truth and redemption and grace like th there needs to be that 
capturing the full gospel message that there is redemption and restoration for those that surrender their lives to Jesus. And so one of the things that we do is we try to not only address some of those fractures and how we can pastorally and, and biblically address them, but we also try to recapture a gospel perspective of God's ability, his redemptive power to transform the lives of the broken. Um, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of the things, if, if we can be critical for a minute, let's be critical for a minute, Cynthia, that's, that'll be sure, fun. Sure. That's, that'll be easy for me. <laughs> me too. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh, Lord, oh, Lord. Help, us. help us, help us, Lord. Um, <laughs> one of the struggles that I have with some of the, the, the contemporary ministries that are offering answers or perspective to this is that, you know, they're, they're coming from, I think a reactive place that has been reactive to what typically gets thrown under the bus is like conversion therapy ministries. Like I was speaking at a youth group of, of basically middle schoolers last night and the topic of conversion therapy came up. I'm like, oh, how, wow. how do these yeah. middle schoolers catch these terms? Seriously. And plus they don't even know what they're talking about, but I mm -hmm. digress. So there are a lot of ministries right now that are, I think being reactive to um, probably the years of ministry that were under Exodus International, uh, now under Restored Hope Network, and ministries that you know were associated with, like Changed Movement, and you know Living Letter is a ministry that really carries this message too. Um, this idea that there is healing, restoration, redemption, uh, and even recovery of of uh, God's intention for our sexuality and identity and identity. And so, yeah. um, you know, we fully believe in God's ability to do that on a, on a full spectrum. I mean, that can look like we, and you know, you and I have friends in ministry that are, that are single, that are celibate, that would love to be married, but that's just not in the, in God's plan for them right now, but it single celibate, but still satisfied. Absolutely. And you know, the spectrum of celibate and faithful and pure, you know, all the way up to like married with 18 children, you know, and, you know, following Jesus, faithful, faithful, yeah. all of it is, is good yeah. fruit of, of this transformational reality Absolutely. in Christ. Um, but there's a lot of ministries out there that, that really kind of mute that transformational reality. And why do you think they do that? You know, that's a good question. I think in one part, and I've heard their messaging on this of, you know, people, they re they're responding to what they think are, or see as people feeling like they were promised something they didn't receive. Like, mm. and I'm, you know, we're reflecting on this just the other day with another friend in ministry that like, you know, I know in my experience with Exodus International and the ministries there and our work at Portland Fellowship when we were there, no one ever intentionally tried to like lay out this vision of like, you know, you're going to be straight, you know, sure. quote, straight. We'll disciple you for two years yeah. and then all your attractions will shift over. Yep. And, and you won't have a shred of any of your history and your struggle of your past. And I know you and I have never spoken that to Never. Him. And in fact, so many times, you know, the, the opening statement of our first night of discipleship night at Portland Fellowship was always like, we're not here to turn you straight. Like that's not the goal yet somehow that message gets sure. communicated and then people start feeling like a failure if they're not experiencing quote the freedom that you know maybe they're seeing in other people around them or is being represented in other people around them and so you know it gets to this place of like i feel like a failure i feel shame which of course is always or the god end of, is yeah or god is 
failing me. Right. Or, or God is failing me. You know, one of those mm -hmm. messages. And I can understand the reaction to not want people to be disillusioned in their faith of just mm -hmm. like not wanting to promise something that isn't necessarily going to happen. And, you know, scientifically, all the research that has been done uh, to kind of establish the effectiveness of therapy and change you know the statistics are pretty consistent with a lot of recovery ministries where it's somewhere around like the 50 percent mark would self-report back that they have like a, a tremendous amount of transformation and then it goes down to like 20 percent something like that the numbers aren't perfect here but they're they're ballparkish and we can we can always dig up the numbers we can always dig up the numbers yeah. but um it, you know this scales down to like you know where very little people, um, well, they scale down to like, you know, moderate change versus, you know, someone saying I feel neutral, like where I'm not struggling, but I don't feel new attractions. And then there's like a very small percentage of people that, that report in these longitudinal studies that have been done that they felt harmed by the process. Like very few people, um, like three or 4% where they're like, this, this was not helpful and actually felt harmful to me. So um, I say all that to say that, you know, in our experience watching people, there was a spectrum. There was a spectrum of people that either experienced like profound transformation or moderate transformation or minimal transformation. Freedom from their, you know, sinful struggles is definitely transformative and changed, you know, whether or not they're now in a heterosexual relationship. But all that to say, I, I see this reaction from that side of ministry where they're trying to like avoid people being disillusioned with what their mm -hmm. results are. Mm -hmm. And I think that the challenge or the pitfall that comes in that is that now they're offering a, a very neutered version of the gospel that basically says, you know, hang on, you know, in eternity, there'll be healing, but mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. here and now you better just, you know, white knuckle, white -knuckle it. it. Yeah. yeah. And that sounds so, I'm, I mean, it's a, you know, if you give the gospel, but it just kind of sounds still so hopeless. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I would think that would be hopeless too. I can see where people settle into a reality of like, and I don't want to be so cruel to call it like apathy or, or diminished mm -hmm. view of like, well, okay, you know, this is just the best. Maybe it's contentment. I don't know. There's, there's a spectrum I think there too, where some people can be like, okay, okay, this is my lot in life and I'm going to pursue Jesus with everything that I have and be content in, in what I'm dealing with. And I admire that, but I just, I think that there's something to be said for this holy longing for like to experience more of, of what God has for us here mm -hmm. and now. And so my concern, my, one of my concerns with that kind of stream of ministry is that there isn't a lot of redemptive hope that you're sure. being pointed to. So with the living letter ministries, we're all about redemptive hope. You know, it's like, come on, like, Yay, hallelujah. hallelujah. Like when, when you, when you wonder if you wonder what the living letter is going to preach, if we come to a church service, what we're going to preach is the gospel and how that applies to people that struggle with this very complex, you know, sexual identity struggle. And we're going to preach, um, the reality that, that Christ has permission to do and to transform our lives in any way that he sees fit. And that can look mm -hmm. like you know, an orientation change. It can look like, you know, for those that we've known in life that have transitioned their gender to detransition that gender and go back to their original identity, it can look profound or it can look subtle, but it, it sure. it's redemptive. And that's, that's where we land. We also preach, um, and 
and pursue a very life-giving theology of sexuality. And what do you mean by that? <laughs> thank you for the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, a lot of places that I speak, you know, most places that I speak, there's there's two realities that come up about the topic of sexuality. Number one, normally churches don't spend a lot of time talking about sexuality, which is why they bring in guest speakers to come talk about it. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, it's not an easy topic. There's not a lot of training, even on just a heterosexual, like understanding a theology of sexuality. There's not a lot of training in seminaries or Bible colleges. And so, you know, there's not a lot of, of, I guess, oomph in a theology of sexuality. Most of the time, what I'm seeing when I, when I see people put out statements of belief, it's very simplistic or it's very like behavioral. Generic? Oh, behavioral. Behavioral, generic also like where, you know, you default back to Genesis two and three, which is fine because this is where we get our basis for a theology of sexuality. But it, it goes, doesn't go much far beyond the descriptive of like, here's what right behavior is. It doesn't go on into the meaning. And there's so yes. there's yes. so much rich meaning in the scriptures for sexuality, for gender, for marriage, for all of these things. And so that's one of the things that we really try to do when we speak is we approach this topic of sexuality through the lens of like, what is God trying to show us sure. in our sexuality, in our gender, in marriage, beyond just the behavior? So, sure. you know, because we really... I had a conversation with a young lady yesterday who's, I mean, she's very new in her faith, mm -hmm. which is exciting. Yeah. Um, that she's come to know Jesus. And, um, her, and her question to me was, is what the Bible says about homosexuality, is that really true? Mm. And, and I, and I, you know, I was like, I wish I could give you a different answer, but yes, it is true. Mm. And I don't want that to feel like a slap in the face for you because yeah. Beyond that, there is so much more mm -hmm. to our gender and our sexuality and how we express that in Christ. And that looks incredibly beautiful and hopeful, mm -hmm. um, even though at face value, that scripture feels like a sting and unfair. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's one of the things that, you know, we also really, that was a great answer, by the way. <laughs> Can we can we write that down? <laughs> have that shared everywhere. Um, yeah, I think that you know one of the challenges we run into when we're talking about it about sexuality about the commandments of the Lord is that you know there's such a narrative in our culture that sexuality is like the peak of human experience. Like, mm, yes, it, it feels. I mean, yeah. In when I was unsaved, that that was my reality. Yeah, yeah. Was you know, my sexuality and, and, and how I express that and my, you know, with different partners and exploring and mm -hmm. curiosity. I mean, that was a huge part of the purpose of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, which is kind of sad. It is. I mean, it, it's sad because it's so, it's such an unstable place to find our meaning and our, like the, the, the pinnacle of life, because it's, it can, it's so, it can be, Sex can be obviously very life-giving and very good in the right context, but in the wrong context, all that vulnerability and all that, all that um, humanity can really cause great damage when it's not, you know, yeah. existed within its right context. And, and that's one of the things that I think that we really do work to try to help with is casting God's vision for sexuality as a good gift and a good thing. 
that when God puts restrictions on us, it's not to kill our joy, but it's to protect what's the best. And, and that's that, I mean, you and I can both testify to the consequences of not living God's best and how that does affect us into the future. And, you know, that, that tension of like, when God says no to something, wrestling that out as a, as a seeker to understand that God's character is not restricting and is not withholding good things from us, but he is keeping out of our hands something that would be less than and and not good and life altering to preserve the spot for something that would be good and right and beautiful. And, you know, even... Yeah, my motto has always been God's no leads to a bigger, better yes. Yeah. And that's true even if people don't get to experience sex. Absolutely. You know, that's that's the other thing that we also, the church needs to do a better job of is a robust theology of what it looks like to be celibate and single, like mm-hmm. that there's value, intrinsic value in, in that. And in fact, in the New Testament, Paul and Jesus, who, you know, <laughs> the big two in the New <laughs> Testament, <laughs> Jesus was a celibate, you know, single man who lived very full life without ever expressing sexual, you know, sexual behavior. Paul was also unmarried single celibate man and even said that being single was a better choice because you can devote your entire life to the gospel. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to me because uh, honestly, sometimes in church world today, marriage is elevated to this place of like almost idolatry and being single or celibate feels like either a sucky consolation prize. It does. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Or a punishment and Mm -hmm. it's neither, you know, it's, it's opportunity to press into other things that, that, you know, those of us who are married and or have children, you, we just don't have the ability or freedom to do because our life's focus is somewhere else. So absolutely. Looking at our mission, is there any part of it that you want to expound or um, give context to? That's a good question. Let me look. I'm going to pull up our mission statement here and just look at it. Um, I think that probably... Probably the most important thing to know about a living letter is that we're going to be approaching this topic equally rooted in in truth and love or grace and truth, as some people would say. And so what that creates is a tension that is is often very uncomfortable for people. And it, it creates, you know, conversation around things that often the church would really like black and white answers, but don't, that don't have black and white answers. Like there are black and white answers in life. Like what sexual behavior does God approve of? It's very clear in scripture too. And so that's black and white, mm-hmm. but something that's a little bit more gray is what do you do with your gay affirming or gay identifying children and their partners when they want to come home for the holidays? Like that there's not a scripture that gives you direct revelation or instruction on that. And therefore it's in that pastoral gray area where there's wisdom that we can find in the truth of scripture, but there's also instruction we find in the grace and the love demonstrated in scripture that often doesn't feel very resolved. It feels Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm a musician. I love music. I love worship leading. And there's something called a dissonant harmony where the, this chord of music just hits this place. And what you want is for this, there's one note in the chord that's just hanging out there that you just want it to move and and put it into this chord that feels like resolve or completion 
And unfortunately, so many things in the way that we engage relationally with people and in the process, it just feels like that unresolved chord where it's you're waiting for that movement for things to come into harmony and alignment and they're just not there yet, but there's still beauty in the dissonance. And so, so many of the things that we do are, thanks, thanks. Um, so many of the things that we do have that feeling to them where it's like, you know, how do you love your gay kid who doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus? You know, you can have relationship, you can invest, you can be committed in, in community and relationship and life with someone. And yet there's going to be places that feel unresolved and like you just wish would move and that's okay. So with the living letter, you're going to get that a lot of that instruction, that dog, I swear to you. I apologize to all the podcast listeners, but again, this is the disclaimer Cynthia and I are going to make. If you're a follower, you're going to hear this multiple times. We're nonprofit. So <laughs> we do not have a soundproof studio. We are not doing, yet. We are not, working hard not towards yet. it. It is, it is coming. It's coming it is along. It's coming along. But right now I'm on Zoom. Cynthia's in Alabama. I'm in Oregon and my stupid dog is barking at the fence. And for the life of me, listeners, I don't know how to stop him. That's okay. I can change my sexuality, but I cannot get my dog to stop barking at a fence. So I don't even know. In my chair, I don't know if you hear it, it's like squeakity squeaks. Squeaky Last... squeak, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I mean, it, we're just hanging out. You drink, We're both drinking our coffee and we're just yeah. having a, a good time just talking about our mission and kind of fleshing that out. Yes, So you said um, in our main platform is speaking. Yes. And, and going to churches to train leaders, to encourage the body. Um, what else What else does a living letter do and offer? Yeah, we, we are creating content for people. And, you know, this podcast is one example. We're going to be doing a blog as well, reviving that. Um, and then I've written a book. You and I are going to work on a book together, right, Cynthia? Yes. Yeah, I'm down. Yep. We're going we're gonna to put out different materials for people to access in, in um, you know, in different ways and modalities. So, like, you know, a lot of people, there's a lot of books on this topic, but not everyone is a book reader. Sometimes people want a 20 minute podcast they can listen to. You know, there's a lot of people that love blog posts and they'll read that, but they won't mm -hmm. listen to a podcast. There's people that want to go on Instagram and just look at the little sound bites for their information. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not the best place to go. And it's not a complete <laughs> thought, but you know what? We have Instagram for you. So um, we also, you know, we produce things and I work with other ministries to produce things. I work with the change movement and work on a lot of the resources that they do. Um, and we're going to have more partnerships. I'm sure that'll come over the yeah, years. I'm excited about that. That'd be great. Yeah. Just because we want to get information to people where they can think through and wrestle through these topics and feel more informed and equipped. And so there's those aspects. I also do, um, consultation for pastors, for ministry teams, and for individuals that are struggling. So if you know, you're across the country and you don't have a local ministry and you want to have a conversation about like, how do I walk this out? I'm available. You know, mm -hmm. we do friends and family. Um, I, I meet with a lot of parents and friends and family in the, in the local area, Southern Oregon that are trying to find, uh, help and support to know how to, you know, engage with their loved ones. Uh, so there is in-person ministry that also is developing, but that is developing more over time as well. So there's a number of things that we offer and do, but primarily it's that communication ministry that helps equip the church to yeah. respond to this. And people are consuming information in different ways. And so one of the goals that we are having um, to do is 
to make our support and resources in different mediums because people people are consuming information in different forms of media right now and virtually. And so I'm really excited and proud of the resources that we have um, available now and that we're working on. Because, um, you know, like you mentioned your book, Are We There Yet? Um, pe- you know, you said people mm-hmm. might not read, but you know, it's also on audio. And, oh, yeah. and so th- that's another yeah. form of um, being able to, to read your story. And um, we do have a YouTube and there's actually videos and teachings on there that people yep. can listen to. And um, we already have like maybe four or five episodes on this podcast. So people can go back. Yeah, people can go back. Um, but in the meantime, while we're um, moving forward. We're really, we're really in a different season right now where it does feel like there's grace to do a lot more. I think that um, for the first several years of ministry, it was, you know, (laughs) other than a short season of time where I had you on staff with me for a little bit, it's really just been me for, for like six years. And, you know, I'm, sometimes I get really down on myself because I look at other people and all the things Mm -hmm. that they're building and I'm like, I suck. But then, you know, I wrote a book and I've, you know, built profit and like we're supporting a family of five and all that and had lots of speaking engagements around the country so and i'm a pastor of a local church so there's a lot going on but um and also a lot that you should be proud of drew oh well thanks yeah i I, okay i'll be proud yeah that to say (laughs) yes i'm excited for this season because there does feel like there's a lot of grace on really pressing into these resources and making Mm -hmm. these conversations and these insights a lot more available to people so super excited about that in this next season what i what i am so grateful for is that our gifts play into each other (laughs) yes ma'am and (laughs) and, uh i i love the fact that you're able to just stand before a large crowd small crowds any crowds and articulate the gospel for god for the gospel for sexuality yeah and god's intention and you do that so well and i i love being able to just uh update your Instagram and <laughs> yes, edit ma'am. your blog, yes, ma'am. Find, you know, find a, a teaching of yours and upload it to YouTube. And so, um, I, I like that too, but I, I am also mentoring, yes. doing mentoring. And I, I, like I mentioned, um, earlier, I had a zoom call last night that yesterday with a, a young lady. So mm. one on, I'm doing great one-on-ones. Um, yes. and so, but I do like being in behind the scenes, scenes, supporting, the mission of and the ministry of living letters one you're of my, so humble i tell you yeah. what ladies and gentlemen someday we're going to get this woman teaching as well and and uh, speaking with me and anyone who is there to hear it will be blessed because don't never sell yourself short cynthia you got some pearls and wisdom and gold pearls coming. and wisdom come on <laughs> yeah pearls of wisdom pearls and wisdom <laughs> pearls and wisdom good job drew it's okay anyway um <laughs> No, it's 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 good. It's 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 exciting in this season to collaborate and actually be able to do some things that are accessible to people. And you're right. Like our the partnership of the two of us have enjoyed that partnership and ministry with you for years. And to be able to collaborate with the Living Letter is super fun. So yeah. So there's all that. So besides um, um, besides writing a book together one day in the future and. Um, adding more resources to the blog is there any like specific goals that that you see us having and and maybe how people could pray into that and partner with us yeah there's a couple that come to mind 
in particular. So, you know, this is a little self-serving, but you know, you are currently living in Alabama and, you know, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, Cynthia and I, and her husband, Brian and my wife, Suzanne, we're very good friends. We've done life and ministry together for years. And our desire and goal is to have Brian and Cynthia with us in Southern Oregon so that we can really not only work well together collaboratively in more real time, but also the in-person ministry thing is really important. Like That's something you're wanting to grow. Yeah, yeah, because there's plenty of people struggling and very little resources. So currently, um, like just this entire area of Southern Oregon, there's no, there's no ministry specific to this struggle beyond mm -hmm. just us. And, you know, our, and you, and you need to expand because it's just, if it's do. just you, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, totally. It's a I lot mean, to carry on your it, own. It is, but you know, the, the need is there. And so, you know, one thing that we really ask for people to pray into is not only fundraising for you, Cynthia, for, for a position that can be really a life wage, you know, uh, position, but also prayer that Brian can get a job in this direction and we can get you guys over here because that will help with in-person ministry quite a bit. And also it'll help the, the speed of resources really coming out of a living letter. Yeah, I really think so. Especially since we'll be together and not have your dog barking if Seriously. we have our own studio Good Lord. <laughs> that we're working towards. So. Good Lord. I know it's we'll be nonprofit, but maybe just a little bit upgraded. Hopefully yeah, it's the little person. things in life, yeah. really like, you know, the, the, the non annoying sounds when you're trying to record a life giving podcast, you know, it's the little things. Um, so there's that. I think that, you know, beyond the, the next book, I, um, I would love to get produced uh, I did a, a, a six-week class uh, called Beyond the Talk, and it was basically uh, a class equipping parents to have greater conversations about sexuality. Yes, Drew. Right? And the reason <laughs> we call it Beyond the Talk is because, you know, for a lot of us, you know, we know, quote, the talk. The talk. The birds and the bees talk. Yeah. Which is so awkward and uncomfortable, and that's all you get is like... Truly. <sighs> It, it for most parents they're looking at it they're like okay how do i do this how do i do the mechanics of yes sex? you know or let's talk about safe sex or you know the the whatever convoluted broke down um talk <laughs> they got they're trying to recycle to give to their kids and the, the yeah the truth of the matter is is sexuality is such a complex convoluted topic and our children are being bombarded with ideology and and rhetoric and propaganda all the time that is that is just polluting their view of sexuality so that the they're talk, hearing more about sex from everyone else yep. rather than from the people who matter most exactly and it will form their worldview on it because yeah. a vacuum will not stay empty it will be filled with something and if we're not having good life-giving uh robust conversations on sexuality, then the world is going to fill in the gap for our children. Yeah. And the talk that we all got is wildly insufficient for what we're facing in our culture today. I mean, just on, on the one topic of how to understand how the world perceives gender mm. in that there are now like what 70 different gender designations mm -hmm. yeah. to, according to some, like how does our, how does our grade schooler wade through that reality mm -hmm. when what they're seeing 
just in the tangible, very practical world is that there are two genders, male and female, and yet the world is telling them of all the, like this complex reality of how the world understands gender as psychological construct and completely individualized and, and social construct and yeah. social construct and not bound to your biologic, you know, biological um, sex, but is completely separate. So the talk that I got on sexuality of don't have sex and, oh gosh, you know, yeah. uh, never forget my talk either. Right. Tell me what, what is the, what did your talk look like? Oh Lord. <laughs> We're reliving past childhood trauma. You know, listen, I I grew up with two moms. Right, right. And I was I was surrounded by, I mean, sexual liberation and independence. Mm -hmm. And and even though my grandma was a lesbian and she was all about, you know, expressing yourself. She took me to the doctor and the doctor pulled out a a picture of a photocopied diagram of like the anatomy, like the anatomy of, of male and female and like how they fit. Oh my word. And I just sat there looking at these photo, like these scanned sheets that you <laughs> could tell that they were scanned repeatedly because then they start to like, sh- like be on the angle and right, like have right, right. edges that fade. And I never forgot that. And then the doctor was like, do you have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> so many questions. Uh, not for you. Right. Not for you. Yeah. Not for you. Your, your broke down old photocopies aren't going to answer get, nothing First of all, me. get a new Xerox machine, Get a girl. new Xerox and then talk to me. Yeah, I need some colored photos for this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember... Um, like, I, I don't want to tell on Sue's and her experience of how she was told no. about sex. But uh, the, the story goes that there was a book she was handed and the main character in the book, the girl in the book's name was Suzanne. So she's like, oh, perfect. No, okay. no. There it is. Like, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't remember an actual talk that I was mm, given. Well, then that's, then that says something too. I remember being allowed to watch a lot of horror movies with sex scenes yes. so that I could be educated on how sex happens. So of course, to me then with that experience as a middle schooler watching those, I learned oh, yeah. also that if you have sex, you get murdered by Jason or Freddie or whoever the horror person. Don't do it, yeah, Drew. Don't have sex because you get murdered. <laughs> It was, you know, that and my homosexuality at a young age really kept me from getting any girls pregnant. So <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm, I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> okay. I should make this disclaimer right now. Also, for those oh, wanting to know yeah. more about a living letter is we approach this topic with humor. Cause... Yes, we do. Because it's, it, it's like a Holy Ghost anesthesia. It is. <laughs> That's what I call, because this is a hard thing to talk about. Right. And sometimes we just need a little bit of Holy Ghost anesthesia to get through these hard conversations that we have together. That's exactly right. That is exactly oh, right. Oh, man. Okay. Well, yes. Enough with the childhood trauma. Let's move forward. That's why we don't want to have, we know those experiences. <laughs> right. Experiences, and we want to we wanna do better. We want to love these kids better. Right. And, and the poor, unassuming adults who still don't know what they believe and how to approach this topic. Yeah. And like, yeah. that's the thing. So beyond the talk, is that, so is that something you wanted to make as an actual resource as well? Yes, just, yes. Okay. And I, I'll just like, again, it's one of those things of, you know, when I was just doing all this on my own, I had all these things that I wanted to do. And I can present these things when I go and speak, but to produce them, on video, like as an e-course for people, that takes a lot of effort and energy yeah, and some, none that I've had. So um, hopefully in the next year, we'll get that 
produced and out sure. and available for people to because honestly I, I think that there can't be enough resources to this topic because it's mm -hmm. just it's ever changing and it's not going away um we're either going to learn how to do better on this or we're going to be overtaken that's those are the only two options when it comes to this topic yeah. so mm -hmm. you know for a living letter ministries we're just doing our best to represent jesus well to represent him in truth and love and to equip the body of Christ to respond to this complex issue with a lot of pastoral wisdom and and some really effective ministry. That's our goal. So yeah, that sounds great. Hopefully we can do that and laugh a little on the way. I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Dialogue Sessions. Please follow us on social media to stay connected to our resources. And if you have a question that you would like us to discuss, you can email it to us at cynthia at alivingletter.org. And if you would like to know more about A Living Letter and the resources that we have, you can visit our website. We'd also love you to consider supporting A Living Letter Ministries. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization and are completely supported by those who believe in and contribute to our ministry. Whether that be at speaking engagements or monthly support, we definitely could use it. So if you're interested in supporting A Living Letter Ministries, go to alivingletter.org slash donate.